What up, everybody? Welcome to the Smoking Tire Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Autotempest.com. Autotempest is the place to save time searching for cars on the internet. Why? Because it takes that search entry information that you put in, all your criteria, and it just does all of that for you for all the sites. You put it in once, and then it goes through all the car sites on the internet and brings all that information back into one place. Cars.com, CarSoup, CarsDirect. Uh, uh, eBay Motors, um, Facebook Marketplace, even Craigslist. Auto Tempest brings all of these together into one place. Doesn't matter whether you make a lot of money or a little bit of money, time is money. And if you don't have to do things two or three or ten times, then you are saving money. That's a fact. And so go to autotempest.com every single time you are looking to search for a used car. Looking to sell a car? Autotempest.com's got you there, buddy. They go both ways. Autotempest.com, we really appreciate them. Just keep it in your head when you're looking for a car. We're also brought to you by Dylan Optics Sunglasses, the official eyewear of the Smoke and Tire podcast. See that? awesome pair of sunglasses Matt's wearing in every single car video and Zach's wearing too and when they do the videos together those are Dylan Optics and they don't just look different with the matte finish lenses they are different I am out in the desert and the mountains for long hours of the day I drive hundreds of miles a day in the very bright California sun and these glasses really keep my eyes from hurting and being tired at the end of the day it's really the only way I can get through my work day otherwise I'm super squinty and my head hurts. It's terrible. We can't have that. So Dylan Optics uh, is the official eyewear of the Smoking Tire. Go to thesmokingtire.com and click on that Partners tab. There's the Dylan banner. If you use that, I will send you a free Smoking Tire t-shirt with purchase of a pair of Dylan Optics. Let's go to thesmokingtire.com. Click on the Partners tab. There's Dylan. And if you use that link, I will give you a free t-shirt with every purchase. All right, on this episode, we have the founder of VinWiki, uh, both the app and the web series, and sort of the, um, I guess, de facto arbiter of uh, all things Cannonball these days. Interesting guy, bought and sold a lot of cars, owns a lot of interesting cars, and he's calling in from his home in Atlanta. It's Mr. Ed Bolian on the Smoking Tire Podcast. Yellow folks, Smoking Tire Podcast, we here. We have arrived. There is, uh, it was actually sort of a sad, a sad day this morning in Venice where I live. They, they, uh, they found the body of this wrestler, Shad. So, um, this, this dude went in the water with his kid over the weekend. The waves and the wind were gnarly. I, I would not go in that water. Like, fuck, I would not. These were huge waves. A lot of white caps, real windy. White caps as far as the eye can see. Holy and I God. guess they uh, they they went in and they were able. He said to save his son, which they did, and then they lost sight of him, and he vanished. And the choppers and the boats were circling for two straight days. Wow, it was a, ri- it was a riptide. Yeah. yeah, and he he washed up like in the middle of the night. Like I'm not a big wrestling fan, but like I watched the rescue for like hours, and and it was it was wild. Uh, very sad. Kind of a downer to start the show on. Sorry, <laughs> but that's our life. Let's let's go let's go in the better direction. We got Ed Bullion on the line. What's up, brother? How you doing? I'm great, man. Thanks for having me. Glad From, we could finally do this. I'm sorry to dive into you with like a a guy who died in my backyard. Um, but you know it is what it is, right? It happens, man. I hate that though. I know it's uh it, there's like 
Just it's. I feel like we're surrounded by <laughs> quite a bit of sadness right now. So. Uh, unfortunately, I'm on a strict drug regimen. It's really keeping me positive. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. How's the ATL? You know, it's uh, as much as I get to see of it being quarantined, and I've got an eight-week-old daughter, so it's oh, been wow. uh, it nice for the entire universe to take paternity leave alongside me, so I appreciated that, but uh, haven't seen too much of it lately. Yeah, well, yeah, that's sort of the way of the world right now, isn't it? But at least you and I have the internet with which to make a living. Quarantining? Are you venturing out? Me? Uh, I mean, I'm taking the appropriate precautions, but I'm not. I'm not uh, just sitting at home and not doing anything. You know, we Zach and I. We we pretty much just work with each other, so mm -hmm. we can we you know and uh, we had we had a bit of a panic for a few weeks, uh, whereas the, both cars and advertisers uh, were both on the verge of drying up, but both of those are starting to trickle back, uh, and so we we have cars and we have people who want to give us money to talk about the things that they make and sell, and so it's going to be okay. What about you? About the same, you know. Fortunately, I pre-sold all of our 2020 sponsorship spots Oof, in November because I was trying to raise money to buy a Mercy SV that had been illegally imported from Canada to China, <laughs> and it had no paperwork, and so it was cheap. So I was like, "All right, well, I could probably round this up if I could get everybody to commit right now." Uh -huh. and so that made them all prepay, and they couldn't really back out. But uh, fortunately, you know. The one we've even signed up some new ones lately, so well, that's good. Yeah, no, I mean it. It seemed like um, it, you know, it depends on who your sponsors are and and you know what their situations are. But I've um, I've always found it's fun to work with the smaller companies because you're dealing with like one person, not some team, and certainly not like a middling agency or whatever. But uh, right. a lot of those smaller companies, um, not that they haven't survived the last couple of months, but they were sort of the first to, to tighten up the reins a little bit. And so I ex expect that sometime later in the year, we'll see them again. But we found some other stuff. I actually, you know, we, we share a sponsor now, this, this off the record thing. Oh, yeah. Yep. Has that gone well for you? It has. Uh, I will confess that they are uh, no longer uh, our sponsor of that genre. Oh. So as they are yours, I won't mention their competitor. Oh, but, thanks. Uh, yeah, they did well by us. <laughs> All right. Well, that's good. So we'll, we'll, I'll take your sloppy seconds, and that's fine. Uh, <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> uh, thank the, you. Uh, thanks for... In the year that they sponsored us, I actually didn't require their services, but uh, I have had to use the, the more recent sponsor to... All right. Success. Well, yeah, I mean, these types of things, uh, they t they popped up right as I really needed their services. <laughs> the fucking 992 Turbo S, son. This is, oh, yes. this is, we've reached, we've reached, uh, I think, an interesting place in the car world where a lot of the fastest cars, uh, as I've been saying for a year or so, they don't necessarily provide uh, a new song. They're just playing the old song at a louder volume, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, where you have cars and and all over the 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 range of vehicles that that sort of just feel the same, the volumes just turned up, you know. I sort of miss the know, interesting I, individual I agree flavors with that entirely. But the great thing about it is it makes you not feel the constant need to buy whatever the latest greatest thing is. You get to just continue to love the cars you already love. That's true. That's the benefit of buying depreciated cars, especially cars that like are manual transmissions because they sort of just are you know mm -hmm. they can be this forever and you don't really care if the 2005 
Ford Gallardo was faster than the 2004 360 because at this point it doesn't matter because a Corvette is faster than all of them. It's really just about this provides this flavor of fizz and that provides that flavor of fizz. Exactly. It's good. It's good. What have you been flipping through recently? Well, I, uh, I've been making some cars that didn't work work well enough to keep. So I, uh, the car that I bought for the Car Trek series that I did with Hubi and Tavares, the manual Gallardo Spider, I honestly just fell in love with it. And aren't you too tall for that thing? Listed for sale, but I just put some farcical ad up there and uh, have have absolutely loved it. So been driving it around. I mean, it's I don't fit great in Gallardo Spiders in particular, but with the roof off, I can stick my head out and drive it reasonably well so i uh, love that thing still have the manual lp640 and the 430 scuderia so love those two cars and just been constantly looking for other stuff yeah, how, aren't you too tall for that gallardo spider though i mean really yes oh yeah, I, yeah. absolutely those yeah. are not if you're over six feet man that car is not for you correct because the firewall is so upright that you it's, can't lean the seat back it's at all ridiculous. that little parcel shelf that's behind the coops isn't there yeah so yeah it's it's not really feasible i can't see traffic lights or anything else uh but uh yeah it's you know i haven't had a convertible in a very long time and i uh i'm enjoying it you know it's a, it's a novelty and so like you said you don't care the thing's insanely heavy it doesn't make all that much power 520 is plenty but it's not gonna you know win a ton of drag races as we saw but uh it's just a fun pleasant car to be in and it's black but we wrapped it this cool blue color and it uh it looks great it's an 05 it's an 06 oh, okay. model you're in the u.s oh, okay. uh, 05 build date well at least i mean yeah oh yeah because it's a spider duh mm-hmm. um yeah at least it's not you know an 04 <laughs> <laughs> i've had two of those one for the rental company and one from the prostitute and uh, neither were good cars they are uh, fucking terrible PSA consumers, there's a reason 04s are fifty thousand dollars cheaper than 05s. <laughs> it's a big difference, yeah. The, uh, yeah. And they have these quirks that you just cannot fix. Like my first one, it, if you started it at night and you started driving it before you turned the headlights on, you were okay. But if you turn the headlights on and then started to drive, every error would fire off. That's hilarious. <laughs> Sept- the, that's a September build date. I think I, the, I maxed out at nine concurrent, like meaningful errors, not just like bulbs out. <laughs> <laughs> meaningful errors like that. Yes. Uh, yeah, you don't. There's, there's not a lot of use for one of them. They're tough. They are. Um, but everyone I know who is uh, selling cars right now is in that business is pretty happy with the, with their current situation at the moment. Apparently, yeah, those those the odds, right? I mean, they're just, they're selling through stuff. They're selling through rare stuff. Like big, expensive inventory is tough. You know, the Huracans, Aventadors, four fifty eight, seven twenty S's. Those cars are stale, but anything rare sells like crazy. Yeah. And I do think, you know, we had Spike on the show uh, the other day and and he was right. You know, it's like it's everything is terrible. The world is a fucking shithole. But the the tiny little sparkle of goodness is that if you are into old cars, it's kind of a nice time to be driving around your old cars. Not a lot of traffic, not a lot of people out there. Maybe cops are arresting people for driving sports cars, but not your old shit. You get a pass if it's 30 years old. (laughs) You know, it's Absolutely. all right. You putting many miles on the Countach? 
I am. Yes, I am at thirty-three thousand kilometers, and I bought it at twenty-six thousand kilometers. So I'm doing the work. I am doing the work. I have. I have to schedule in time. It's hard, you know. You there's not a lot of places to fucking drive right now. I have to make, I have to just give myself places to drive. Do you just have to like make up places to just drive? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You're like, oh, I, I could stand to go drop this thing off that I borrowed two years ago from this guy. <laughs> it's an hour away. Like yeah. it's the time for that to go away. And then he can leave it outside to it, you know, for three days. So the germs die on it. Exactly. Yeah. Are you, do you, are you wiping down on your shit? You got a baby, well, so you have to, right? Have been, yeah. Uh, no, we were for the first few weeks, and uh, the CDC released the thing today that they said that's not even a real thing with this virus; that it doesn't really persist on stuff. So I think we're okay. Oh Perfect. really? Oh wow! I'll continue my strategy of not obsessively wiping my fucking shit down. Well, and they—I don't think they've shown the kids could get it, so you could wipe stuff with your kid, <laughs> and that would probably work. Absolutely. This is not scientific advice. <laughs> <laughs> So when it comes to um, let's talk about making videos, Ed, and doing your and doing VinWiki, and because you've uh, you know I think I think when did you start VinWiki? It's not it's not been that long, has it? No, we started the app uh, June. Of, we launched it June of sixteen, and we started the channel June of seventeen. That's a fast growth, man. I am jelly. What is the strategy? What is the secret? Just volume you of know, upload. So when we started the app we knew that there would be different things that we would do to evangelize the concept and VinWiki as an app is just like a social version of carfax we crowdsource vehicle history so we let anybody post information to any car by its vin or by its license plate and you do the normal social media advertising and presence and stuff like that and we grew okay we got about five thousand users in the first year and the ones that used it really got it and they started building lists of interesting cars and collecting information that you couldn't find elsewhere and it got to the point that if a car was like used in the commission of a crime or something like that, it would fairly immediately pop up on the app and the stuff that you wouldn't see on Carfax or AutoCheck would be in VinWiki. And so that was working, but it wasn't growing at such a pace that we were about to monetize the app through ads or sell subscriptions or anything like that. So we were just kind of waiting around to see what we could do. But when I would let guys drive my cars and make YouTube videos about it, we'd see a nice bump in growth because they'd mention the app and people would download it. And back then, you know, if we got like, a hundred new users in a day. It was amazing, like a mind blowing thing. So I knew that there was a way to convert from YouTube. And so what I thought was I'll just get my friends together. We'll just sit around in my warehouse, have some beer and pizza, and we'll just tell our best car stories. And I had collected a lot of my best stories from selling cars and renting cars and driving cars and put them as sort of the chapter intros for the book that I'd written about the cannonball record. So I had a lot of mine kind of neatly and recently arranged. And so we just sat there and we recorded the first 25 in a day. I think eight or nine of them were mine. And my thought was like, we're never going to develop our own YouTube audience. So what I'll do is I'll have them edited, put them together with some good graphics and intro outro. And then I'll just give them to someone who already has a channel. And so I offered them to Demiro and Tavarish and Patterson, that dude in blue, TJ Hunt, other guys that I'd met through different things for Eddie. And I might have even asked you. And I, I said, but the thing about YouTube analytics is they're very descriptive rather than prescriptive. So they'll kind of tell you what happened, but not necessarily like what's gonna work. Yeah. And so everybody can only assume that if they're comfortable with their level of success, the thing they can do is don't do anything differently. And so the <laughs> idea of adding another show or yeah. another type of content doesn't really work. 
in that? No, I was so punished for doing that. <laughs> we just ended up starting to release them on our own channel and it started to grow like crazy. I think we had set a benchmark of like, well, we got 25, let's say we averaged 2000 views per video, uh, you know, 50,000 views, then we'll maybe make some more. And I think we got 800,000 views on those and then it just kind of started to grow. Now that didn't mean it looked like it was gonna be like a viable revenue source, probably for another six or eight months until I remember the first time I made like a hundred bucks in a day on YouTube. I was like, holy cow, this yeah. is crazy. Yeah. Well, it took me a while. It took me like maybe like a year to get to that point. Yeah. 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 But it felt weird when it happened, right? Um, yeah. It, well, it, no, it felt, it still felt bad because, <laughs> because we were, <laughs> the math we were doing was horrible. The math, we, we didn't value our own, we valued our own time at zero. And so, yes. And so the very minute that I thought, hang on a second, our time might actually be worth something, I realized that we were just losing an insane amount of money. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. fortunately, and the only salvation to the continued production of VinWiki was the fact that it was immediately converting to new app users. Yeah. Well, and that's, so we yeah. went up to like probably 100,000 app users in that first year. <clears throat> And we just passed 300,000. So yeah, it's, YouTube it's is great if you're trying to sell regard. something else with it. My friend, I said, YouTube is great if you're trying to sell something else with it. If the That's views exactly right. themselves yes. are the end goal, it's much more difficult. And selling traditional advertising and stuff like that. But if your videos are serving to promote something that someone can spend money on, that's better. Larry does that. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yes, yeah. the... The detail supplies guys do exceptionally well. Yeah, yeah, and they, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, especially Larry because he makes his own shit. Um, so, is it? Did you did you follow the uh, the volume? Are you doing? You're not doing. Are you doing every day? Is that what you Weekdays, do? Yeah, five a week. Yeah, five a week is tough. Not burnt out yet. No, haven't haven't really, and and you know we have plenty of content because the the model is somebody sits in this chair and tells a handful of stories and then we release them, you know one of theirs every two or three weeks, you know yeah. as after they leave and so like even during this pandemic, I mean I, I usually have six to ten weeks of a backlog shot, and so we were able. I would say I I ran some stories that were a little weaker than I normally would have to avoid shooting with people you know, in the first few weeks of this stuff, but, uh, you know, we were able to float it along. So that's been helpful and it's been, it's, it's made it easier to, and fortunately we haven't gotten a lot of pushback on any aspect of the production. So we haven't had to pivot or change an awful lot. Mm. We've moved the set a few times to increase production quality, but that's really it. Yeah. It's basically the same thing I was doing with one takes, except I couldn't sit in a chair. I had to drive out to the middle of the desert to do it and have people meet me with sketchy ass cars. <laughs> but that was the, the beauty of it was that differently than having to go borrow a car and set up multiple cameras and do a bunch of stuff. And, and you, you figured out what you could do over and over again. Yes. And, and I, I, when people ask me like, you know, what YouTube concepts will work, the most critical thing is what can you do often enough that it's going to keep your audience engaged. And that might be one a week. That might be two a week. It might be five a week or whatever it is, but you know, it, it has to, also be tempered by the fact that none of us are interesting enough to make people listen to us every single day. That's true and hilarious. Although I, for a while I really felt like I could. When I was doing four car review videos a week, I felt like I could make everybody listen to me every day. Well, I could probably I could make, than vlogging. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So if you're just trying to say that what I'm doing in my life is that interesting, that's one thing. If you're saying, here's an interesting thing that I'm going to tell you about, like a news anchor isn't telling you that they're the most interesting person in the world. They're there to tell you what interesting things are happening in the world. So if you're showing somebody an interesting car every day, you could show them 10 a day and they'll probably care to some extent. But if you're just like, I'm about to go to the grocery store and you think <laughs> there's just a tunnel into everyone's brains that you're going to enjoy they're not going to stay there. Oh, you are really good at this. You know exactly how my brain works and why I don't watch fucking vloggers. <laughs> and why, and I, there are people that do. I there suppose. are. I yeah. know there are. It's it's and and I don't want to tell anybody to watch or not watch anything. If you want, if if that's the kind of shit that makes you happy. But like I, you know, you you probably see it too, where you go, you know, fuck. If I did some of this vloggy shit, I could really probably just make some extra scratch right now. But the idea of walking around with a camera at myself like this and then editing that together and putting it on the internet and going guys watch this it's like it's like uh i probably couldn't write a pop song because if i wrote like half the shit that's on the radio i'd be like no this is terrible this is too cliche <laughs> someone's already written a love song yeah. i can't write another one a fucking kid rock rhymed the word things with things with a straight face in a song that went on the radio that would never make it past my edit filter he, he made up a word <laughs> ba what ba what is that What's a bomb? What's, What's a, a bomb? What's a bomb? But he he sold that. We couldn't do it. Oh man! And and if it gets in your head, you can't get it out. It's I know. True. I really wish I could get fucking Kid Rock out of my head. I can't. Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck uh, you, it's a Bob. Strange business, but I mean, I never. And that's the thing is, like, there's a lot of people that seek this out, and they want to be internet famous. Yeah. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, but. Like that was a very secondary or tertiary idea for me. It was very much like, I want people to download this app and tell me things about their cars that people can't find anywhere else. So that years from now, when you go to buy a used car on Craigslist, you can say, hey, I looked this up on VinWiki and I noticed that you abducted a child and there was an Amber Alert with your license plate three years ago. Tell me about that. And you know, you want to be the Chris Hansen. Why I made YouTube videos and now, you know, people, send me weird messages yeah oh yeah and like the takedowns can you take can you take the kidnapping down off my bin wiki that's <laughs> my car that's it. It was a strange time in my life we've gotten over it it's a rebuilt <laughs> circumstance rebuilt title that's it oh, yeah. that's very funny yeah there should be a section called rebuilt title where it's just the stories of the of the no we got we got better it's okay we went to rehab oh. me and the car yeah, together like Gerardo was in a Santa Monica flood somehow <laughs> I, don't, I don't I don't even know if Santa Monica has flooding but it definitely got really really muddy everywhere <laughs> it was like if someone drove it into the grotto with the Playboy Mansion or something <laughs> <laughs> I I love the people the stories when people drive a car into a pool God do I love oh. that exactly because whether it's, it's intentional or accidental Monday. good story great story either way. I'll. I mean, oh man, I'd really love to. Jeremy Clarkson got to do it on Top Gear, drive yeah, a car in a pool. Right. That was probably the pinnacle. That's when he knew he made it. Was like when he said they had a meeting. Like, what do you want to do today? He's like, I, I think we're ready. It's the pool. We. I was talking this morning to someone about about Top Gear, and we were specifically talking about the. Do you remember the BMW X6 review, where it was one of those ones where they wanted to spend as much money as possible to review a mundane car, and so they tried to drive the X6 up like a wet grassy hill in England, and the tires were just spinning, and it just couldn't do it. And they're like, just to be sure. 
we found a wet grassy hill in Portugal, and then we found a wet grassy no hill way. in Africa, and then we found a wet grassy. And they shipped this fucking thing all over to find wet grassy hills. It couldn't go up just to spend the money. I was like, this is like a two hundred thousand dollar gag to just oh show this God. thing spinning wheels on a grassy hill. Incredible. An amazing way to burn cash. They must have had a cap on salaries, but not production costs. And right. they're like, all right, mother, you know. Here we go. And that was before they started to have the throwaway 13th episode where they were like, we only have enough money to make 12 of these things. So this one's going to be mostly studio. And if you're perceptive enough, you're going to notice that we really mailed it in. <laughs> what would you do with a million dollar an episode budget, Ed? Oh, my goodness gracious. Right? You we know, don't even I know. I seeing Bam Margera. Yeah. And thinking like that's what happens when you give a dude two hundred fifty thousand dollars a week. Like this is what he does. It's like a communal caravan fire. Like if you gave any of us a million dollars a week to do something, I mean it would be explosion after flyover <laughs> after barrel roll after like I mean insanity. Yes, it would be super and crazy. Die. I once, I, I've told this story before, but I'll give you the short version, is I once, when I was doing this show on Speed, Bam Margera was on, was a guest on the show, and we were both cigarette smokers at the time, so we're out back smoking cigarettes, and I overhear his phone ring, and I overhear the most perfect Bam conversation ever, which is something to the effect of, what do you mean you can't get the elephants? <laughs> but they told me they could get the elephants. Who cares if it's a fucking residence? Get the elephants. Okay. What about like donkeys, or horses, or something? Deer, cows. We can get cows. Okay, get the cows and meet me at April's house. And he was literally talking about running a herd of cows through his mother's house over the fucking phone. And it's and I only heard his side of the conversation. Extort most the most bam conversation you could have. It was great. That's it. That's great. It. And now we got Tiger King to look forward. To. Oh my God! With Nicolas Cage. Yes. <laughs> Joe Dirt as Tiger King might have been a closer stretch, but I just love that even though he's made a lot of his money back after Madoff, that Nicolas Cage will still take anything. <laughs> Jay Leto once told me, pay your taxes because you know who doesn't get to pick his own movies? Fucking Nick Cage. <laughs> IRS picks his fucking movies, him and Wesley. <laughs> <laughs> There's a car story for you. That's Jay Leto's hilarious. tax advice. Wesley Snipes doesn't pick his own movies. The IRS does. Uh, without naming names, what's the grimiest rental car story you can think of? Or name names. I don't know. The uh, you know it, it, Atlanta is obviously a hotbed for hip-hop videos and stuff like that. And so when uh, Lil Wayne was going to jail... And like right when they had to take all his teeth out because they didn't want him to go into prison with, you know, gold and diamond teeth. I'll tell you what, the runway to this story is amazing, Ed. Yeah. <laughs> I like, I like they, where you're going already. shooting videos every like three to four hours with him so that they could release them over the next like 12 or 18 months, whatever his stint was. It's so, so funny. They, so they were busting him around in a phantom and we were taking cars to different spots and he was recording like these featured spots like where he only had like three or four lines in like a, a song with some terrible artist and i remember we were out there's a lot of money in this by the way what he's and doing it might have been um who was the guy that had like a 12 children with 11 wives akon no <laughs> i don't know birdman master he had a painted on beard 
What? <laughs> Drake. I don't know. Shawty Lo- No, it's not Shawty Lowe. I don't, I don't know. know. Anyway. But he died a couple, a few years ago while they were about to film a reality show with him. But both of them, you know, most rappers are about five foot nothing. And most early 2000s exotic cars do not have vertical height adjustment in the seats. <laughs> okay. And so, like, Lil Wayne pulls up in the Phantom and everybody's like, don't look him in the eyes or he will run away and we can't make him make the videos if he runs away. And <laughs> what? And they get in there and they're both in this car pretending to drive it. And Is it on like a dolly or are they just sitting there? They're just sitting there. They're okay. not even pretending. They're not like, like they're moving their hands on the steering wheel, but they're not actually, like nobody's going to ever believe that this is happening. And they, uh, and they were doing this uh, this scene. And they're like, we can't see them. Like, where's the car guy? And I'm like, right behind the camera. Like, I'm here. And they're like, raise the seats. I'm like, they don't raise. You're going to have to find all the phone books that still <laughs> exist. And that's what they did. They just kept stacking stuff in there to raise them up so that they could be seen. That's very and it was funny. The middle of winter, so everything was just freezing. And my 360 Spider was in a different video. And they had to have the roof down, obviously, to pretend. And they had these girls wearing nothing. And uh, they're just shivering. And they, they had to make them stop long enough to get their shots. And they would, uh, you know, they're dancing all over the cars. And it's an absolute mess. But uh, I remember we were filming in front of a fried chicken stand in the parking lot of a nightclub that was made out of two non-level, like, mobile homes. <laughs> Yes. And it had kind of a deck that joined them, and the cars were fanned out. And this was like before, was just um, walk up, walk up flame. Yeah, was yeah. Anything. And his mom was financing everything, so she was writing checks the whole night to everybody in this like floor length mink jacket. Walk and of, who's walk a flock of flames? Mom is she a somebody? I think that that's just where all the money came from okay. for the early productions, and so the. Uh, you know, he got he did he get shot in a jean store in Atlanta. I, I'm I'm not up to date on the Atlanta crimes. If you want to talk about uh, the uh, the L.A. shootings, we could. Talk about that. I'm sure that yes, it's a whole different uh, thing. But as they're shooting this video, the most amazing thing happens. There's these you know girls in swimsuits dancing in front of the cars, which are in front of the deck, which is in front of the fried chicken mobile homes. And on the deck, there's this guy, a homeless guy just wanders onto the set and just starts dancing all over the place. And it took him like 15 minutes to realize that he was there. And then they had to, they sent all these guys up there to grab him and get him off. And it was, it was incredible. By uh, then was he like my, in the video and he's in a couple shots. They don't know. No, it's like, ah, fuck I mean, it. Just leave it. I mean, that, of course they repeat everything a hundred times every time, <laughs> yeah. but it was, uh, it was awesome. And, then I had to drive that 360 Spider home in the freezing cold because the and with the roof down because the tops freeze the hydraulic fluid yeah, jumps hydraulics. up and won't, they won't work under about 35 degrees. I remember and that. So yeah, I was I was going 140 miles an hour, which in a 360 is 400 miles an hour in a Bugatti. <laughs> and uh, I was like, man, I just hope there's a cop here that's going to arrest me and let me sit in a warm car. Please <laughs> let this happen. When you were uh, when you're uh, presumably renting these cars out for video production and stuff like that, were you? Uh, running a full-on rental company or were you just listing your personal cars for sale for production or for rent for production use? 
No, it was a full-on rental oh, okay. company, yeah, with everything. Yeah, it wasn't just uh, the early stages of Turo. All right, no, because I was just going to, like, there's there's actually there's, there's good money in that, as you well know, um, in renting cars out for productions, if they're the right cars, of course. Right. Um, you know, and I've done a couple photo shoots for commercial with, with my Countach. Uh, Countaches are in particularly high demand. Um, but it's really... I'm I'm really when I when I go and babysit the car for it like bro I'm so like ah, ah, I'm such a fucking bitch about it and so I was gonna ask you about like if you cared about the video hose dancing in the car but no nah, if they're just assets of a company that's renting shit out you don't care you kind of have to forget about that that's one of the pathologies of the exotic car rental industry is you have to emotionally prepare yourself every time the car pulls out of your lot that it's probably gonna come back half on a tow truck. And (laughs) it just is the nature of things like, you know, I had planned it was mostly me, pretty much all me. I would I would hire people occasionally to help with deliveries and stuff like that. But, you know, I only had like five cars because honestly, in Atlanta, that was all you'd ever need. And so the week that I was getting married in 2009, I. I had kind of planned. All right. If I'm going to take a honeymoon, all the cars have to be in like it's just got to be a week of no revenue. And. I had a customer who was an ex-Atlanta police officer rent my Gallardo. And then the next day he came back and he said he had a friend in town. He wanted to rent the 612 Scaietti that I had in the fleet. And they took those out and they kept extending the days. Like they'd come back and pay in cash for an extra day. But I've already verified their insurance and everything. Like it, it, it's kind of okay to take a cash deal at that point. But then... As, as of like Wednesday, I was like, you know, the wedding Saturday, you got to start bringing the car, like car's got to be back tomorrow. And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But then they stopped answering the phone and I found out that he had crashed the Gallardo and I followed its tracking device and it was, you know, the front knocked off of it and he had just abandoned it in this like pseudo body shop down in the worst part of Atlanta. And the 612, I couldn't even find on my, it, it had dropped off the tracking device. I was like, oh, this is not, not good. Uh, and he had sold it to a guy for fifteen thousand dollars, a two thousand eight BMW seven fifty Li, and he had agreed to some payment structure that when I eventually talked to him about it, he didn't even remember. And the only thing <laughs> piece of information he got from the guy who he had sold my Ferrari to was that his name was Lucky. <laughs> and so I'm spending like I literally get a call from Lucky's wife on Thursday night at my bachelor party. And she said, my husband bought your Ferrari today, but I don't think we really want it. So will you bring us back our BMW and our cash and then we'll just forget all about all this? And that was the first I learned. I, was, <laughs> I hope this is a prank by my friends. Oh my God. Sneaking suspicion it might not be. And so I actually ended up, we were chasing that car all over town and it, uh, it ended up it was still missing i just let my lawyers try to chase it they got nothing done during my honeymoon we did and i was able to negotiate getting it back when i got home and the guy he i finally got in touch with lucky directly i had just spoken to his wife up to that point and she said and he he said well i want five thousand dollars to have the car back and i'm like dude well, you wait, know it's how does stolen. yeah it's stolen. you have the title right right oh yeah <laughs> but the problem is as you might know it is not Grand Theft Auto when you take a rental car. I didn't it is know that. Theft by conversion. Oh, I didn't know that. So you don't get like an APB, people out, the cops chasing it. Like literally, I talked to a cop 
standing next to the car at the Linux Mall Valet, and he said, I can't take it from them. And I'm like, well, you're in a different county. I understand that. But I mean, you've spoken to a cop in the county where it was stolen. He's like, yeah, but because of the nature of it being a rental, like it's really a civil violation, what they've done by keeping the car too long. And, you know, there's not much I can do. No, nope. oh, insane. Wow. So we're running down there. But of course, they leave by then. And that like that was it like, all for for the Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I was on the phone. I, I told my wife, I was like, if my phone rings during the ceremony, I am answering it because yeah. we can't afford for this car never to be found. Because with rental car insurance, even if you have rental, real rental car insurance, you can't file a claim on it because it'll, they'll just drop you at your next renewal cycle yeah. and you'll be out of business for that reason. So yeah. like, we can't file a claim or else we have to also close the business and then try to sell these depreciated cars. That's shitty. Where, so well, when, when I got back, the, I told the cops this. I was like, "They want he wants five grand. And I'm like, I don't even have $5,000. Like, I was barely making my payments on these cars most of the time. And they're like, well, ask if he'll take a check. And I was like, well, I, I don't feel like I should be the one to have to remind you guys of this, but it's a felony to bounce it. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, yeah, I don't worry about it. Just do it. And Lucky was happy to take a check. Um, I don't... I, and so you after all these the- years, I actually can't remember the name I made it out to. Like I do, I should know Lucky's name, but in my head, it's he's still just Lucky. And it's uh, better when it's just Lucky, I think. It, yeah, Especially if you better. just made the check out to Lucky. Lucky, yeah. <laughs> XOXO. So you t- you just cancel the check, take the car, and that's it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then, I yeah, mean, the, look, the when you have cops holding and- the check, and I said, "No, that's an extortion payment for the return of stolen property." So, yeah, <laughs> you can you can ignore what that one was extortion. Yeah. And uh, this sweet little girl standing at a bank teller was probably like, "I'm sorry, Mister Lucky. <laughs> Mister Ed said that I'm not supposed to give you the money." <laughs> that's fucking great. Yeah. Um. So in the last, what, eight weeks, how many times has the cannonball record been broken? Five? <laughs> well, I guess if you, it's only been broken three times, but uh-huh. it's been, the, like, my time that took six years to beat has been beaten seven times because certain people tried and didn't beat the record but still went faster than that. Oh, okay, yeah. But it's been broken three times. Yes. And so it's now at What? Uh, I'm not allowed to say, but it's below 26 hours. They're, they want to wait a year on the Alex yeah, Roy I, program. I'm glad somebody finally has. For a minute, I was like, "Oh, we're just gonna we're just gonna like make it to LA and put this on Instagram." Huh? That's how this is gonna go. Like, I, I was getting under the impression that like if you made it without getting stopped, that they were just sort of like, "Well, what the fuck?" Hashtag, hashtag police like and subscribe. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's it. it didn't well, it start that, to seem you know, that way though. It seemed that people stopped giving a fuck about the whole waiting thing. So we didn't wait to tell people that we did it. So the first news story broke on Halloween and we did it October 19th and 20th. So we gave the data or showed the data to CNN and NBC and they both verified it, said, look, we, they talked to the people they needed to talk to and they knew that we had actually done it. And then, but we didn't release any proof. So there wasn't anything publicly available that would have incriminated us, but there were enough articles to reference that the word spread, I guess. Um, so I talked to a bunch of lawyers and they were all like, we think they could probably figure out a way to arrest you, but nobody's going to extradite you for speeding. Yeah. So even if they've got it to reckless endangerment or whatever, like it's, it's not really going to get you pulled out of a state. Now, Arnie and Doug, who broke my record last November, 
in a non-COVID era. Uh, they uh, both live in states, one lives in Ohio, one lives in Illinois, that they had driven through on the route. And I was very surprised that they released it. And I thought they stood the biggest chance of having somebody show up because they even had Doug's uh, like a toll pass for Ohio in the car. Uh, but they, they didn't have any issues. And they, they didn't publicly, or I guess it's not been a year, but I guess they'll probably publicly release some of their data or live footage. Well, I guess it does, like doesn't that. really matter anymore, does it? But it's, it's, it seems exactly. like they won't, I mean, until someone has an accident. That's, that's where it's going to happen. Then Someone's going to have a, a big down. crash, and then it's going to be a problem. Right. That would certainly be the problem. And that's honestly one of the most amazing things, that in the 50 years that people have been doing this, there's been no incidents ever involving another car. Yeah, I mean, that that, that is true. We um, Are you of the opinion uh, that the COVID cannonballs are... No, I mean, like, I'm... I'm I think I, I I want I think I'm anti cannonball officially. I think I have anti cannonball. I think it's I think it's dumb, but also I understand. Yeah, sure. I'm I'm in the same boat. Yeah, I'm pro historical cannonball because I feel like, even though I'm kind of anti libertarian, I feel like Brock Yates kind of had a point with the double nickel. I'm not sure right. it really has a point anymore because well, we have so many different speed limits here now. There's like yeah. 75 there and 85 on a tollway, and it, but back then it was like. The 55 nation's 55, national, and it's like, this is kind of brutal and, yeah. and a little ridiculous. And they were proving it's not dangerous. And like, we're never going to get an Autobahn here. We're just we're just not. Like, yeah. Our infrastructure can't support it. Our license can't support it. So I think if that was the intent of someone doing this, it's like, we're never going to get to that point. Now it just seems like it's a way to get into the, the, the kind of automobile world and the folklore a little, a little it's bit. A little, it's, a, it's a Hall of Fame kind of thing, maybe. Get, get yourself on the board without mm-hmm. having to like go in a race series and win a race maybe ed Very what do you think true. yeah i would say that's entirely correct i mean it's a it's a part of american automobile history that is at least noteworthy to enough people that there are people that care if you say that it's happened uh, but it's very you know when i was considering doing it i felt like as a multivariable equation, as a problem-solving task, I thought it appealed to a lot of the things that I wanted to test about myself, that I wanted to prove to myself, and it gave me this really crazy goal that I felt like might be remotely within reach. Whereas, you know, running a full season of some advanced and high-end sports car racing, I, there was there was no way I was going to raise the money to do that. But I put together every dollar I had, bought the most depreciated car that seemed eligible. I spent forty-something thousand dollars that I, with every dollar I could. I mean, I wanted a night vision camera, and I just couldn't afford it. But like all the things that I, so for me, in the time that I chased that, from really you know learning about it in high school all the way until doing it at twenty-eight years old, it was a goal and like a lighthouse that I kind of chased in the distance to kind of get me through a lot of that coming-of-age era where as a guy, as a person, as a husband, as a worker, as anything that I was going to have to do, it kind of helps make all of that make sense. And so in that way, I needed a goal like that, that was crazy, that if I was able to do it, was going to really feel like that level of an achievement. And that might help to establish me within a world that I didn't belong in, but wanted to be a part of. And it did those things. Mm -hmm. Like it carried me through dark times. It helped me to have something to look forward to and to chase. And when I was able to do it, it was the most cathartic achievement that I ever could have dreamt of because it quite literally 
was so much more than I ever even thought it might be, dreaming of it for a decade. And so it doesn't mean it's for everybody by any means, and it doesn't make it right, it doesn't redeem it. It just means that it was for me everything I needed it to be. And I think those are the best kinds of goals, whether, whatever it is. If, and that, when I wrote my book, that was the angle that I took because I kind of opened it with a letter to my son who uh, was born uh, about 41 weeks after we got to the Portofino. And he uh, was like, I, I don't think this is your cannonball, but you, there is something, some idea that you can chase for a meaningful part of your life and if you can find that and it can help you in the ways that this helped me understand myself, understand where I fit into the world and have something like this to look forward to and hopefully one day achieve that the only person happier when you get to that finish line will be me. And that's that's kind of what Cannonball was for me. Yeah, it's the same. You know, Alex told, tells a similar story of need. You know, it's like you can't, you don't, you don't even want to continue life without doing this thing. I don't have that thing, so I, I can't say I relate. But like, I understand if you have that thing, it's a relatively achievable thing to like attempt it at least. You know what I mean? And if you sure. are prepared and do the right things, you can, you can do it. Do you think uh, the the coronavirus cannonballs get the asterisk? I don't think we'll know yet. I think when you look at a competitive idea and there's a unique circumstance that makes it considerably easier to do, then you don't know if those times count until after it's over. And in the event that it destroys the pursuit, I think it needs an asterisk. If nobody feels like they could ever challenge it in, in even a five to 10 year progression of technology, then yeah, I mean, there, there's no reason to say that like, just because somebody was ready to go in this six week period, like that's when they do it. So uh, it's not for us to ascribe right now or assign, but I think, uh, you know, I, I expect these times will be looked at differently. And it's not like there's rules to this and there's not a governing body. There's not some sanctioning arm of the SCCA that deals with outlaw cross country road racing. So I, uh, you know, it's it's one of these things that those of us that care, like, you know, Alex hates it as much as Alex can hate anything this week. Uh, I, I I don't know that it's our position to come out and say that somebody else's brand of law breaking is different than ours and try to condemn it. But, you know, it's uh, it's definitely weird. And from the people that I've talked to that have done it in both ways, that had tried it before and tried it now, they say, it's not the same game. I mean, there's just nobody out there. Well, yeah. So, you know, I, I spoke to Alex about it and he made his points about how, you know, his, he, he made some type of analogy about if you were the fastest horse rider or something across London during the bombing, would you still do it? And okay. I, I, I see his perspective. Uh, but then I, you know, and I suppose, yeah, if you had an accident while doing some crazy speed and if that accident resulted in, emergency supplies not being able to get where they need to go then then yes you would feel guilty about that but then i thought about it more and i was like the fact of the matter is like although there is a pandemic going on the drastic reduction in traffic especially interstate not on the interstate but interstate travel by normal cars obviously some trucking has to continue but i, I think that that the risk that Alex was talking about with me is overblown compared to 
the obvious benefits of there being so few cars totally on the road. Yeah. And the truth it's is safer yeah. right yeah. now as right. a whole. The, the, the drive is safer that now maybe the consequence of an accident right now is greater if you're diverting first responders or right. anything from a much more vital purpose to humanity. But uh, no, I mean, certainly the likelihood of a bad outcome is considerably lower right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, you know, you, you, you said it. What brand is your brand of law breaking somehow better than my brand of law breaking? And it's all fucking law breaking. It's all it's all dangerous and it's all dumb. And, you know, you know, you you you're ob obliged almost to condemn all of it. But I think. I think, although, yeah, the, to the Times probably will end up having an asterisk. I think morally, I'm okay with it. I, I think mean, I, so. I think okay to your guys' COVID point, cannonball yeah. relative to normal cannonball. Yeah, it's yeah. Categorized the same way in your moral warehouse. It, it is. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is. I think morally, if if you're gonna say that people are doing cannonballs now i don't think that morally you should specifically not do them because of this i, I think agreed that. but an asterisk would never be assigned on a moral basis uh, i agree with you there as well an asterisk would be assigned on the the conditions under which such a time was set right. yeah yeah so if, if yeah. you're doing a boat race and there's a current yes then you still win you get a medal but you don't set a record right i yeah basically yeah like uh like the 24 hours of lamar with the fucking difference in uh, in 66, the difference in the thing. You mm -hmm. still win, but fuck! <laughs> <laughs> fucking Leo Beebe! <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, we got a lot of questions uh, from the people, Ed. Let's, oh, uh, let's go to the folks, and I'm sure some of them will be interesting. Zach, have you have you should we do you have you have you have I caught you on the back of your feet here? Yes, I've not read through. Them. Oh shit, Ed. Let's let's take a tangent. Have you did you watch um, the Last Dance? The Jordan thing. Have you gotten through? I it? haven't yet. No. Jordan's I, cars from the nineties. You are you're gonna follow Jordan's cars from the nineties. That's where it's all about what the NBA players were driving in the nineties. Oh, what a oh fantastic. The nine nine three Turbo S that he just rolls away from fucking game six. That's in the license plate air. It's very good. Oh man. It's it's very, say, very good. I, the the nine nine three Turbo S is one of those cars that I love cars that you could own for free for the rest of your life. And that's a car that will constantly appreciate due to its absolute rarity and significance within the Porsche lineup. And whatever you have to pay to keep it going, it will always be offset by the car's appreciation. And like, to me, that's, and it, and it honestly doesn't even have these insane maintenance liabilities. Like, yeah, sometimes you're going to have to pay 15 grand to reseal the top end of the motor every 10 years or so. But like, that is is such a cool car, yeah, and and significant enough and awesome enough. So you get a lot of usability that. for it too. I mean, you could honestly just use something like that, like as a car. I mean, absolutely, it, yeah, yeah, all the time. And if you if you bought it brand new or if you bought it at a reasonable price, the the miles are free. I mean, fundamentally, absolutely. yeah, nobody cares if it's got one hundred and twenty thousand miles. That'd be rad. I was looking at uh, not seriously, but a friend of mine's got and is interested in <clears throat> selling. An original uh, Porsche Turbo slant nose. It's an '89. It's an end, end of the run slant nose coupe in dark gray over black. It's a five-speed, and it has a hundred and ninety something thousand original miles on it. One owner car. The guy dailyed it for twenty years. 
it's really nice. <laughs> it's a really good condition, and it's really cheap for a, for an original slant nose. Of course, uh, especially yeah. for an eighty nine. And I was looking at it like, oh, oh, two hundred thousand mile slant nose. Like drive and enjoy. Exactly. Was, yeah. yeah. I mean, like my LP six forty. I just ticked over forty five thousand miles on it. It's well, one that's of a bunch on one of those annual LP six forties in the U S. and I, you drive it guiltlessly. Like I, I, I've got to get to, to 48.5 to be the highest mile one in the world. And I intend to do that, you know, in the next few months. 48.5 is the highest LP640 manual Stick. in the world. In the world. Yeah, there is mm. a early Mercy that's got 300,000 miles on it. Yeah, the orange, orange one. one yeah. There's also I'm another gorgeous. one. I don't know if it's still on the road or not, but back in the day, this would have been 07. He was a customer of the, the 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 dude who worked on the cars at Gotham Dream Cars and he had an 03 Mercy red over cream with phone dial wheels and a clear engine cover. I loved the clear engine cover, not tinted. And at the time, this was an 03, would have been an, an 03 car in 07 had 54,000 miles on it in 07. Well, the orange 06 E-Gear car that they had that they racked up a bunch of miles on continued to rack up miles in atlanta and it was in the 60s so there certainly are mercies that have more yeah i'd love to have the highest mile mercy of all but it's it, it's honestly hard when to put that many miles on a single car i know what you uh, mean uh, you know just because they are like you say there's they're hard to drive many places i drive them many places i shouldn't drive them but but it's you you can't drive it absolutely everywhere yeah, and if you have multiple cars, there's only so many places you need to go. <laughs> like, I, I just, right. I try That's to right. drive my cars. I, I have, I own three of my own cars right now, and then I have press cars. And even if I drive them as much as I can, and I consciously drive them, it's still like two, three thousand miles each a year. It's not that much. I don't have that much time. Right. Now, do you, do, do you drive the Countach, the Safari, or the Vanquish more? I drive the Countach the most by a lot. Really? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I drive the Countach the most. I drive because I make myself drive it every week. And so, but whereas the 911 will sit for two weeks and I won't really think about it. The Countach, it's like if it sits, uh, it won't be happy. So I have to drive it. But the 911 can sit for three or four weeks and it'll fire right up and it won't, it won't matter. Um, so I, I, that's the only car where I actually make myself drive it because it needs to be run. Um, mm -hmm. the other cars are very easy. The Vanquish is fucking, other than having to take my shoes off to drive it, which removes its practicality in a bunch of ways. <laughs> it kind of sucks. The GT car, you can't wear shoes to drive. It's a little stupid. You can but, take it to dinner at any Jimmy Buffett restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> Just step out and shoot. I need like formal flip flops, like a formal clog or something like that. Is there a Yeezy oh. clog? That'll work. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, that car, you know, it can that car can sit for a month and it'll it'll fire right up and uh, purr like a kitten. To be really cliche, yeah, beautiful. I can't recommend. Can I? We we texted briefly about Vanquishes. Are we allowed to discuss this, or do we not want to talk about it? No, we should not talk Ugh, about that. Sorry. Well, Until we won't talk about it anymore. But I recommend them. Men in black moment there. I recommend no. I recommend them. They're uh, they're they're fun. And I I thought the bottom of the depreciation curve was two years ago. It's not. It's now. <laughs> <laughs> well, COVID well, asterisk. Uh, there there may have been a recent low point removed from the market. So <laughs> that's uh, that helped you out.
You know, you just they're they're at the point now where nobody really wants to spend the money to maintain a cheap one properly. You know, the people who have the really good ones are just hanging on to them and doing whatever. And the ones that are floating around in the market are not so great. And you find them really cheap when they need something really expensive. (laughs) Or all the expensive things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can can imagine that would be true. Yeah, but you know what I'm seeing (laughs) that I really got my eye on is like late model V8 Vantages, like V8 Vantage S's for like in the 40s. Those seem quite nice. That seems like a good place to be. That's a great car. Yeah, yeah. That actually might be a more interesting swap from a ergonomics perspective, because there are some compromises, like you say, to making a Vanquish a stick. Mm-hmm. If you went to Sport Shift 2 in a Vanquish, it would be a world's better car. Yeah, you know what? Someone is doing a swap, and it's not Sport Shift 2 they're using. It's the GM 8-speed, like out of a, an automatic vet. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's weird. It's really funky, and, and someone sent it to me, and I don't know. I mean, apparently, whatever the system is works. But like, I don't, I don't want that. <laughs> I'll take my shoes off. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, it's a it's an awesome car. In fact, the uh, we had an interesting uh, comment on the the what would you buy for a hundred thousand dollars video that we did as a survey of a bunch of YouTubers and car personalities that you said you'd buy a Carrera T on. Uh, somebody said I would absolutely buy a Vanquish and stick converted. Oh, uh, cool. What it would end up being so. Uh, I think it's a. I mean, it's an awesome option at that price point. I excluded cars from my responses that I already own. I didn't know if I didn't really know what the rules were with those. But there I, are no rules. Yeah. but you, you can vote with your own pocketbook at any point. Yeah. Spoiler alert: for a hundred k, I would buy a Carrera T in a manual, and I'd go visit Batim and have him put some bits on it. <laughs> Batim at BBI says six hundred horsepower Carrera Ts are easily attainable with factory reliability. That's insane. Which I am about. That is crazy, man. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. fantastic. Sweet Lord. Fully about. Zach, what do the people have to say? We got a bunch of questions from the people. Uh, first one's from Kevin Knucklewich. Uh, he says, Ed, as someone who is also from ATL, which one of these is better for a commute from Vinings to, to Decatur? A CPO AMG wagon or a CPO Porsche Cayenne hybrid? He's got 65 grand and his work has free charging. Only if the free charging gets you a free parking spot closer to your desk, I would never, ever buy a hybrid German car with any expectation of reliability. Uh, An AMG wagon is the greatest residual value of any car in their lineup and impossible to beat. I'm with you. I'm with you. I I would say maybe if, if we wanted to choose something not on this person's list, a Tesla, maybe, commuter car. 65 grand if you spend totally. 40 of it and pocket the other for a little weekend He's, toy or something. He said he might use it for long road trips also, uh, right. but depending on where you're going, the network of for Tesla is See, growing. people, I'm not a hater. I recommended a Tesla to somebody. Don't be a dick. There's a difference between being a hater and calling out fraud. Just saying. <laughs> and if you got to go around the top end of 285 in Atlanta, something that drives its own self is, uh, is useful because you're not going to have any fun. Nice. Uh, Stephen Matthews threw us a big donation, so I just want to say thank you to him. Thank you, Stephen. Ed, uh, Gear Hall is shopping on Auto Tempest and other things constantly, but he says, where the hell do you find some of the insanely cheap Lambos that you find other than the prostitute one? Do people reach out, or do you have like a special source? So 
as you become known for being willing to buy a car with absolutely any story, people do start to call you about them. So that's one of the greatest privileges of having a bigger audience is that you get more people offering you stupid cars to buy. <laughs> so that happens all the time. I do appreciate it. Um, I wish people would be a little bit more sensitive to when Countach's are replicas. <laughs> that's amazing. But at the end of the day, I really appreciate it. I are there really people sending cars. you a fake Countach? Like, bro, look at this thing. It's so cheap. <laughs> 17 grand like fuck come out of here. yes that happens a lot but uh so but even within the world of dealerships i've become known as somebody who will entertain anything and i i will say uh that that's what you want to do i'm actually going to make a video soon as a you know something i could do sitting here in the middle of a pandemic and not require much else work is uh, how to make a proper lowball offer. And a lot of it comes down to qualifying yourself and understanding why if somebody's gonna sell a car cheap, they need to sell their cheap car to you. So that's a very different thing. They could <laughs> that's just a take good video. I like that one. I like that or any other dealer that'll give them a wholesale bid on it. But if you've got to, you gotta tell them why you understand it's not gonna come back on them. Like you're making an educated lowball offer. And that's really where I've, I feel like learned how to negotiate in that way. So like this true negotiation we talk about is really just limiting the competition, but also really qualifying the offer that you make. And so fortunately, eventually that makes it easier because people call you with cars and um, I would, I'm not going to give it away, but I, I got called on a car that I have never in my entire life been more excited about the, million to one possibility that it's true but if it is life changes soon in a lot of ways including a lot of debt <laughs> all right you mean taking on a lot of debt <laughs> um i yeah go ahead. De debt for an investment it sounds like though yeah oh absolutely oh i i love a car loan man i i am the whatever dave ramsey says ed Bowley and i can promise you will say the exact opposite why is that Oh, I mean, when you buy depreciated cars, you can finance them as long as you want because you're you're not dealing with any vulnerable part of the car's value. There's no benefit to having equity in a car that's appreciating. I mean, it might give you peace of mind, might make your cash flow easier, but if it allows you to buy a car that you've always dreamt of owning and it's a 550 Marinello or a 911 Turbo S, like if you can float the payments, then there's no reason to wait until you can write a check for it. I mean, it's going to go up in value and it's not like, we're not talking about buying a 570S. We're talking about buying a car that they made 180 of. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. You can get a loan for that and not feel like your grandparents are going to disown you. That's fair. I think uh, Rob Ferretti is all about financing the cheap depreciated cars as well. That would be his advice. I yeah. am uh, sort of a cash guy, but not, but, but I, but it's actually against the advice of people who are smart with this kind of stuff like you and Rob. It's I just don't even I mean, know the mentally thing. freeing to yeah. own all your cars. Like I'll say, you know, I went from having like I I financed every dollar of the first manual LP six forty that I had. I, I couldn't have bought it, didn't have a chance to. But because I bought the right car and then it appreciated, I was able to buy with the profit the worst example of that car on planet earth for cash. So 
I made $135,000 on the car and I bought for $120,000 a manual LP640 that an Iranian refugee terrorist living in Canada as a car dealer to conceal his drug selling into the US through car auctions, let his daughter's new 15 year old husband who had gotten her pregnant, get drunk and drive, crash, and then abandoned and fraudulently reported it stolen. Then they didn't get an insurance payout, fixed it poorly, couldn't sell it in the US in 2009, so they shipped it to Lebanon, where it also didn't sell. Then it came in through a shady dealer in Dallas that got a bonded title for it, and it sold to a defense contractor who occasionally saw the car in Vegas, and he sold it to me. <laughs> bonded titles well, are so fun. <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. I had to learn a lot about that. My title for my DeLorean was missing and the uh, when i bought that delorean i bought it out of a shed basically and it turns mm -hmm. out the guy went got upside down on the loan in 1985 stashed it there ran from the whole thing and the bank went out of business completely in like 1992 so when i bought the car i had to get the bank that was out of business had the title somewhere <laughs> so i had to get a bond against the, against if they ever showed up claiming with it claiming with a title with their that it was the car that was a whole process. If you haven't done a video on title bonds, you really should, because that is a whole fucking world of confusion for a lot of people. It is. I need an expert on them to come on and tell them, because I've never had to get one. I've gotten rebuilt titles and salvage titles and everything else, but I've never had to do a bonded title. The bonded title... It just sucks because you got to put up a bunch of cash. You got to put up like ten percent of the value of the car, uh, or of the purchase price of the car. So that that sort of sucks. But other than that, you just you really just need to find the right bondsman to write it and tell them what you what the VIN number is and write a check. I mean, there's not much to it, but you you it the 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 level of research it took me to figure out that what i needed was a title bondsman <laughs> that was the problem once i got that guy it was covered but you know what i mean it was the the process of being like wait what do i have to do the title just gone okay yeah in georgia they're done through uh your normal car insurance provider oh really yeah so I guess it varies significantly. Oh, state. yeah, no. In California, you need a bondsman. <laughs> like, he does bail and shit, too, probably. What else oh, you got, Zach? Title hunter. Um, two related questions I'm going to lump together. Um, someone basically asking, uh, is now a good time to shrewdly negotiate for a quality used Aston, Porsche, Ferrari, other exotic? Other people are asking, like, you know, we get this kind of every day. Do we think the market has bottomed out on uh, exotic cars and cars in general? So there are deals to be had on certain cars, but at the same time, there are not many dealers willing to put big losses on their books. They'd much rather carry the inventory and curtail it off their floor plan than have to take a, you know, whatever the loss might be to accept your low offer. So if you could cover a trade, you can get a tremendous deal for sure on something like a late model Aston or a McLaren or a 488 or something like that. It's just putting yourself in the position to do that. Um, but if, if it's just sitting stale on somebody's lot, I have not met many dealers willing to take losses on cars. What about private private parties that really need out of their cars for an economic decision? Have you seen a lot of that? Or I, It seems to me like that's less of a thing than people have made it out to be, paying people panic selling their cars. 
Well, nobody's panic selling their finance cars right now because the banks mm. have all been told to allow people to have three or four extra months. Now that may start to happen in August, September, where they start to have to make their car payments again. Yeah. And but right now you can make your you can miss your car payment and the banks are not supposed to even ding your credit for it. So you're not gonna get a lot of fire sales from private parties right now. However, when you do see a private party listing, what I always advise people to do when they're selling a car is get a real wholesale buy figure from a dealership to bring you into the reality of what your car is worth. And the main reason is that when somebody offers you something similar to that, you can say, no, I could sell it to a dealer for that and they're not gonna have to come to my house. So yeah. when you're negotiating on a car, you should always ask, like, have you gotten a trade figure, a buy figure, a CarMax offer, anything like that? And right now, if they have, that number will be very low. And so if they give you an answer and they say, yeah, like I'm asking $45,000, but this dealer just offered me 32, then maybe it would have been 36 in a normal circumstance, but you at least know that you could probably offer true wholesale or just a tick over it and make this guy take your number because he probably got real insulted by the dealer that didn't want to actually have their car. Yeah, fair, yeah. Is now a good time to buy a 2007 Phantom because that seems delightful. <laughs> Harris said he really enjoyed his other than the maintenance. He bought a shitty one. He didn't buy a good one. He bought one with 60,000 miles on it. I'm talking about, like, Ed, is it me or is it almost impossible to beat on a Phantom? <laughs> it is. So for Car Trek, the Flood Gallardo did not run until about 12 hours before I had to drive down to Freddie Tavares' house. And so two days before we had to start shooting, I bought a backup Lamborghini because <laughs> it would have ruined the shoot if I didn't have a car mm -hmm. and I had to have something that ran. And it was a 104,000 mile LP 560 Spider that was about the same money. And we ended up using the flood car since it ran but the guys who had it had a Phantom as well that somebody had popped the motor on. I had never <laughs> known anybody to pop the motor on a Phantom. I didn't even know a Phantom would allow you to do that. A 760 V12, like it is that similar that they, like these idiots that had the car were able to do that without any engineering or fabrication <laughs> skills whatsoever. So it's, it's a 760. Yeah. I, 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 we bought one back in the day at the rental company, and it was, I mean, it was a 25% of its MSRP, and it was lovely. Had low okay. miles, great shape. The thing was 400 grand new. I think it was 120 when we bought oh, it yeah. used. It and was ridiculous. Now. Are they really? Are they that cheap? So, Hoovy bought the cheapest one in the world when it was like, 70s something I don't know what's yeah know what it was but it but now he's like I can't sell it for anywhere near I mean it's not like Hoovy makes good financial no he buys terrible kind of cars shit. every car he buys is a fucking flaming hunk of shit right but you know it, he's a testament to the revenue that can be created from this platform we enjoy oh yeah no I'm not <laughs> I'm not sure no his business model is sound but the cars are horrible that's the that's the point but uh, but if if his terrible one can if he can't even sell what is a good one 85 yeah yeah i think that's right fuck it you gotta think about awesome. it like <laughs> that's so great if you're buying a 10 year old phantom right and this has always been an issue for me with rolls royce as a brand and there's nothing wrong with aspiring to own a rolls royce 
I just don't get it. Like I've driven around fluorescent green Lamborghinis uh, to church and there, but the fact that it's so insane is kind of redeemed by the insane performance mm. with the Rolls Royce. You got to say like the luxury, the opulence is what redeems the value. And I, maybe it does on a brand brand spanking new one, but it sure as heck doesn't on a 10 year old one when a brand new Hyundai is a way better automobile and nicer to be in and more comfortable and has more features. So like, it's just about what people think with a Rolls Royce. And maybe that's what it is with a Lamborghini or a Ferrari or any other car. But at the same time, like you can go to a great road in the car and have an absolute blast with a Phantom. Yeah, you still get to park out front of the club in an 06, but like, man, I don't know. It just doesn't. Well, doesn't maybe I haven't driven an 06 in a while, but the last time I drove one, I just liked the the glidiness. I really liked that it was uh, a lot like sailing or like yachting more so than it was like driving. I thought it really uh, provided, uh, if not a visceral experience, certainly um, an experience that was unique in the luxury space. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I can see that. I mean, th- they're huge. Yes, they are huge. And they feel and huge. They feel huge. Tacking. The only one I've driven that made any sense was the drop head. Oh, yeah. Because we had a car like show. Deck and you're yeah. like looking out. and But it just, it was like, it, it almost felt like the navigation would point out the peasants. Yes. You use the, use the like, spirit of ecstasy as a sight. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Put them between the wings. <laughs> what else we got, Zach? <laughs> oh man. Um X seven man is uh says Ed, he's looking for a fun manual car under sixty grand. What do you recommend? He's looking at Z O one Wenelees, GT three fifty Rs, nine eighty seven turbos, Hellcats. Uh it will not be a daily driver. Sixty thousand well, dollar budget fun mobile. Flooded Lamborghini Gallardo, but uh, <laughs> you won't end up staying under sixty grand. The uh, we did a video on what should you buy for sixty thousand dollars as a more immediate follow up to car trade. That's where this whole series came out of. And I mean, certainly a nine nine seven turbo is the answer if you can find one. Other than that, like a a nine nine one early manual Carrera S is a fantastic car to own absolutely forever. The, Z, the, the Camaro is perfect, too. Um, that's what Randy Pope's picked and a bunch of other people. That, so it's awesome. Right now, that will buy you an X Hertz Z06. You, you, couldn't, you couldn't give me that. No. <laughs> you could give it automatic to me, but I wouldn't pay Z06? for it. An automatic yellow Z06? Yuck. It'll overheat the if the transmission doesn't break. The front. <laughs> not good. The rear spoiler only. The weirdest spec ever. Like... <laughs> Doesn't have the rockers. Doesn't have anything. Listen, like, I mean, they, they knew what would happen. Yeah. To them, <laughs> Look awful. here, Jim. I ain't replacing these fucking things every week. <laughs> what do we do? Yeah, leave them off, I guess. <laughs> People on the highway are reporting it's terrifying. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> Front end's real light, huh? Well, they get slowed down. Third one to wheelie this week, you say? Uh, Ed, do you think anyone is going to start manual swapping mercies? Is that going to be a new trend, or is it just way so, too complicated? The only way to do it is to run standalone engine management. So there's the Driftworks guy that swapped an LP640, but he had to run E46 M3 throttle bodies. 
Interesting. And Underground Racing just swapped an SV, but obviously they run their own engine management. So it, it's not possible using OEM parts because the OEM, OEM parts aren't all available. So if you found one that was crashed, which they don't really exist because they all get rebuilt, um, you could probably do it. But I, I have not known anyone to successfully do it. Uh, Matt and I have both driven the manual swapped 430 Scuderia. And while there were, there's, I mean, the car's fantastic to drive. All the electronics were not all sorted when I drove it. I don't think they were when you drove it, Matt. No, um, and from what I gather, they never and will be. So <laughs> I, uh, I, I think we're probably a ways away from that being like a really OEM feeling car, the way like a work swapped Vanquish would feel. But um, uh, it's, it's probably inevitable on some time frame. But it's, it's going to take a lot of work by people who haven't figured it out just yet. Or by Lamborghini. I mean, maybe at some point Lamborghini will develop some kind of a classic department that that does this sort of thing. I mean, that would be nice yeah. if they did. Yeah. I, I'm yeah, not so I holding out. I asked Historico but. who would be the people to do it if they would do an SV for me. Mm -hmm. uh, I could not afford what they would charge plus an SV at the moment, but I would probably have tried to figure it out, and they gave me a hard no. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, Aston will readily admit that their gearbox was shit and that they'll fix it for you if you give them a lot of money. That's right. <laughs> I'll get, if you do decide to sell the car, you'll get it all back. That's the, that, that is true. You do. You get it back later. You're parking yep. the money on top of that shifter. <laughs> that shifter is very expensive. It is. <laughs> well, but in most cases, people are faced with an $18,000 shift actuator and inevitably doing a new clutch while they're in there. Right. And so you're only talking about a ten to $12,000 marginal cost. Yeah, if you did the swap at the same time the car needed a clutch, which would be every 10,000 miles if you have a stock vanquish, then you're good. <laughs> and I, I, obviously, I don't know this firsthand yet, but the vanquish clutch is twice as much as an LP640 clutch. Uh, Maybe. The yeah. physical part or the part, the the labor charge to do it all? No, the labor is only 16 hours. Yeah, the, the labor is not that big of a deal because from underneath, you just, you would take it out like you exactly. would a, a Viper. Like you do in a Mercy. Yeah. But they yeah. just charge a ton for it. $4,800. Yes. <laughs> what? Cost. Really expensive. And it's the most basic clutch made by AP Racing yeah. that I could have found yeah. if I was looking for one. And it's, uh, it's ridiculous. Yeah, there's a lot of Vanquish parts that are really, really expensive. And there's some other stuff that's just Ford shit in a different box, like the fuel pumps are F-250 yeah. fuel Focus pumps. RS. Yeah, there's some... Do I, they use in the Focus that. RS also? Yep. Fuck me, they're still using that fuel pump? <laughs> it works, it works. <laughs> well, it's yeah. also for, like, the 2006 F-250 with the 6.2 gas motor. It works in that, too. <laughs> well, and I, I have a... A, I, a regular Vanquish clutch... And I ordered it from one of these resellers, uh -huh. and they called me the next day and they're like, "Oh yeah, that's obsolete." And I'm like, "It's the part for the car." And they're like, "Well, you have to buy the Vanquish S." -clutch. Right? Yeah, no, they don't. They only make Vanquish S clutches. They stopped, wow. and when they switched to the S, the S got a better clutch, and they just decided that all the old cars, when they needed clutches, would get S clutches now, and they were they are better. I mean, they uh, are. I'm sure but. they are. It's <laughs> worse than what's in it. But is it a really strange dimension? Like, that's why you have to buy that one and you can't buy no. just, no. you know, whatever. The Vanquish S clutch lasted clutch, longer. I everybody, and there is no cross. I mean, it's a T56 transmission. It's like yeah. the yeah. most basic thing in the world. But, a, but everybody told me, even in remanufacturing the clutch, 
that the car is so insanely sensitive to the compound and the way it wears that it would probably just destroy a remanufactured car. That's interesting. Wow. I, you know why I believe that? Because when you... You don't notice it as much in the car when you're when it's flappy paddles, but when when it was converted to a stick, you realize it has a ridiculously light flywheel. It revs oh, yeah. like it revs like a bike. Vroom, vroom. It's like and and you have to be very very careful on the on the to to balance it out. So it's not surprising that that the flywheel clutch assembly is somehow very very sensitive and finicky. That makes t that lines up. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's very, like the princess in the pea or something. How interesting. Yeah, yeah, neat. Okay, yeah. cool. What else you got, Zach? Um someone just asked what route we took on All Cars 1. We used Backcountry Discovery route map for Washington, so you can buy that map online. Um, someone took your advice, Matt, and they rented a Mustang and went to Bill's and went canyon driving. This is Trevor Long. He said it was awesome. Great conversation. Great food. Thank you for that recommendation. You are welcome. Um, First track date tips. Uh, he did suspension, tires, brakes, fluid. He has a lot of seat time in the street on the car. He just has never been to the track. So let's see. How, wait, how wait, would wait. you rate the New York safety track? Oh, so he's going to his first track day. Okay. This is Nick, the guy. Going to his first track day, he did all the stuff we normally recommend, so it's kind of like, what other tips are there about going to a track day? Physically go, <laughs> be on time, pay in advance, and go to the driver's meeting. Mm -hmm. And do not be afraid to raise your hands and ask questions, because your question is probably not as dumb as you think it is. That's That's one of the biggest things, is like, I think especially in your your 20s you're very much like I can I can handle everything. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to a track where you're going to be going 60 to 140 miles an hour and if you're not sure about something, that's a place to ask. Yeah. Uh, as far as the New York safety track, I've heard of it. I've never been there. I'm sorry. But I've I've heard it's kind of small, right? Isn't it like motorcycles and stuff they do there? It's like a smaller track. Ed, do you know that track? New York safety track? I have not, no. But uh, it sounds like it would be a glorified autocross course. Yeah, but I think I th yeah, I, I think it's bigger than that. Somewhere between autocross and full track size. But it's, yeah, I don't know. I, the on-track videos seem nice. It seems like they run a lot of motorcycles there. Yeah. There's a, there's a track map for you. Two miles long. Um, Two miles, okay. So lime rock sized. All right, what would you guys rather own, a CTSV 2016 and newer or a Lexus GSF? GSF. CTSV. Mm. CTSV is a phenomenal automobile. I fucking love driving those current gen CTSVs. They are just drift machines. But you couldn't give me a car with Q. No yeah. sorry. Yeah. Um, you give me a car with what? Sorry. Q, the Lexus infotainment. Ah. No, it's Cadillac infotainment. I'm sorry, I'm yeah. sorry. Cadillac infotainment. And Lexus is also Stupid bad with weed. the mouse, but Lexus not as bad. Lexus is bad, but not as bad. Cadillac's yeah. infotainment, it's horrible. See, I, I don't, I've never bought a car based on any of that, like the way that works, because none of the cars that I like have any of that worthwhile. Like, I actually don't even have a radio. There's a hole in the dash of my Mercy. So, like, I, the... The idea of long-term ownership prospects and high-performance Lexuses is abysmal. So the audience for CTSVs gives you limitless mobility if you ever wish to sell it. Uh, it's super cool and rowdy and perfect. I, I mean, uh, I, I can understand if that's an objection, but if you're not buying it based on the navigation system, CTSV. 
Yeah, it's infuriating. But I understand why somebody would like it because it's a four door Z06. No, it really is. There's no physical buttons. It's all, it's all haptic feedback, LED oh. lights that you touch. It's really, really bad. But the, but it's offset by the fact that it's got Z06 power, Z06 steering, and Z06 brakes, and it's a ripper on the racetrack. It's great fun. What else we got? Trying to tell people to stop asking questions. Oh, it's yeah. the fourth time I've told them. Uh, Cut it off. <laughs> We're just going to take your money and then not do anything yeah, with it. Yeah, I don't want to do that. I just I tried to refund somebody right there, and I don't know refund? if it worked. Refund? So the fuck out of here, Zach. Get rid of that. We, I don't know refunds. This is a one-way street, bro. <laughs> um, someone asked if we'd ever have Seinfeld on to talk about cars. I think the answer is, of course. Just... Sometimes I mean, yes, people pay for these also, questions. Yes, but also no. The only way you can keep famous friends is by never asking them for anything. Life pro. Was that a subtle? I'm friends with Jerry Seinfeld. Brag. I I don't have to be subtle about it. I am friends with Jerry Seinfeld, and the only reason I'm friends with Jerry Seinfeld still, and I made it past day one with him, is because I have never and will never ask him for anything. Nice. Yeah. He's he, a he's a nice guy though. He's he, cool. he nothing. Nothing is gained by him coming on this show because you go on his show with Spike and talk about the exact same thing. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if, I, I would love to meet him; it'd be great. But like, that's that's really what it would shake out to. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Prashanth Panicker says we always recommend the S197 with Maximum Motorsports kit for like twenty grand. But at what point is it better to just jump to a C6 Corvette? The, at what point would it be better when you don't need a back seat anymore? Right? I mean, Ed, same money. Wouldn't you buy a C6 Corvette over a couple-year-old Mustang if you didn't need the back seat? No, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're not dealing with monumentally different consumable cost, and, you know, it's those don't have overheating issues. So, yeah, by all means. I mean, I think you're – yeah, it's a much better car. Yeah. yeah. If you don't need the back seat, get the fastest, newest Corvette you can afford. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tavares came in and just threw money in the air and said, not a question. He's just supporting his uh, his boy, Ed, you know car what? track for life. He puts his money where his mouth is. I mean, he he fucking just shows up. He doesn't even say nothing, just makes it rain. Mm -hmm. I like it. I wish I had more friends like him. <laughs> uh, a guy named Michael Jackson just says, Ed, thanks for your recommendation of videos. He just got a job at a car dealership thanks to your advice, and he's stoked on it, which is <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, oh, Michael Jackson's not dead. He just wanted a normal life. He just wanted not to dead. disappear. He's selling used cars selling in used Reno. Ca I just wanted a quiet life. I just wanted to fade off and just do something else for a little bit. I just wanted to celebrate my love of Lincoln automobiles. <laughs> That's great. Uh, Luke Talon has two Seiko questions. Um, one, do you like the old or new Alpinist more? And second, what are your thoughts on the King Turtle? Are they too expensive or is it perfect? Okay. I'll take the second part first, Alex. King turtles are basically the same as regular turtles, except they have a sapphire crystal with the date bubble. Like, some people don't like Rolexes because they put the little magnifier guy over the date, the bubble. Uh, the king turtle has the date bubble on there. And so some people like that. Other people don't. Uh, it's got a couple other features that make it, quote, nicer. But... For me, regular turtle is cool unless you want one of the exclusive king turtle uh, colors because it comes in some neat different colors. Um, I thought about buying king turtles drunk on eBay quite a few times, but I have not pulled the trigger because I already have one. Uh, Seiko Alpinist, I can't rock them because I got big fat wrists and it's a 39 millimeter watch. I think the old one with the green dial is great. 
I also like the new one. I have never held the new one, so I don't have a preference. But an Alpinist uh, is a lovely watch. You could buy it uh, for a reasonable amount of money, wear it every day for the rest of your life, and never feel like you were missing out on something, as long as a 39-millimeter watch fits your wrists, which should be rather slim for a watch of that size. Nice. Um, Benjamin says, Matt, he's noticed, oh, doctor, has been used less do you plan on incorporating it in future drives or making it into a shirt? He would like one. I haven't thought about it, but I will now. My, I go through, if you've watched our videos and listened, we go through waves of slang. Yeah, and then you, you say a new thing, and you get excited about the new thing, I and you say a lot, <laughs> and then you realize you're saying the new thing a lot, and then you fade it out. And I find a new thing. Yeah, yeah it happens. It yeah. does happen. Uh, Doc Dan 3 was watching us today, so shout oh, out to him. Oh, hey, What's Cody. Up? Yeah. Cody. That dude is the Lambo King of Pittsburgh. Love it. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, let's see. This is a watch question. Uh, this guy's got twenty grand. He's looking at, at Timex Weekender, Casio, Submariner, Sundial. He's he, fucked. He's got twenty dollars, twenty grand, and he, he's talking about Timexes and Casios. That's not correct. He says budget twenty k. He already Continue. bought the Timex, but I want you to validate me. Oh, twenty k for a Timex Weekender. That it that that's a watch that might be a couple a hundred dollars. Oh, a couple hundred dollars. I mean, how much? Maybe we, he hit a button by accident. Yeah, twenty k doesn't seem right. Maybe twenty d, <laughs> twenty dollars. Maybe twenty. I, I, I don't know. See, how close are those? There's to each nothing other. wrong with a Timex Weekender, but if you've got twenty k, you're buying a crate of Timex Weekender. Right. You're buying a Timex Weekender Franchise. for everybody you know and all their family members. Oh, he bought the naming rights to the Timex Weekender. <laughs> yeah. That's what happened. Yeah, no, twenty k. We're in a different. Uh, oh, look at that. Snoopy though I like the Timex Blue Snoopy that's very fun any watches with with cartoon characters on them are good we've yeah. learned this like cars right Ed like you put a cartoon character on a muscle car it makes it Im immediately twice as valuable absolutely true um, we're winding down. Um, how do you feel, Matt, about someone quote tagging along on a stretch of road in an upcoming adventure drive? Uh, Hint, road construction and alternate lesser-known sites on different routes on the last drive might be a better experience. Is he talking about follow you? on adventure drives? Yeah. Okay, so adventure drives is Rob Ferretti and, and all them's uh, road trip thing that, in theory, I'm doing, but it's now May 20th, and the Canadian border is closed. The odds of the Canadian border being open before this are not looking good. Uh, also... I don't know what the routes are for adventure drives. I don't have an exact roadmap, so having some rando show me other roads is not my idea of fun. Uh, sorry, <laughs> I don't know. That's weird. I don't want. I don't need a tour. Um, we're okay. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, is that it, Zach? That seemed like all right. Uh, did, did, uh, we already asked this one, and do we think anyone's going to buy Aston Martin or someone who who should buy Aston Martin? What do you think, Ed? I mean, at this point, they have a investment group of limitless resources ready to make them successful. So they should not need to be bought. Um, I don't think any, I don't think anybody's looking to buy them. So I think they're okay. I think they'll always be okay as long the, as they keep making pretty cars. Every Aston other generation. Martin should merge with Morgan. No, <laughs> no, they shouldn't. Oh, Aston, very Aston Morgan, let's do it. Let's do this, guys. We'll incorporate well, when you look at the lifespan of manufacturers like that. They go through these phases of being acquired by Ford or whoever, right. and they get technology that makes them 
okay within the marketplace, but then eventually they get they they have to be bought by a private equity group or somebody that allows them to experiment and be themselves. And if they can make Valkyrie and Valhalla and start fulfilling orders, then they're going to be in a tremendous place as a brand. I don't necessarily know that they're going to come out in the way that they want to, but I spoke to one of their investors recently and he seemed, you know, very confident, maybe oddly confident, but, uh, I'm, I'm excited for those cars to exist. It's honestly the only hyper, the Valkyrie, uh, the Valkyrie is the only hypercar in the long time that I've seen. I've been like, oh, wow, I wish I had a lot more money. Yeah, it looks dope. I'm excited for that. I have a, <laughs> I have a next, I can't, I don't know if it's next week or the week after. I have uh, a bright matte orange DBS Superleggera Volante for a weekend. <laughs> it's like the most obnoxious Aston I could think of. Crazy. We bought the matte orange Vanquish press car. Did you? <laughs> it was destroyed. It was the one that they, I don't know if it was that one of the Flood Plats Blue one that they broke the windshield on in Top Gear US. Oh, but, yeah, uh, yeah. It had like, because you can't match the paint on a matte orange Aston Martin. <laughs> and it had the biggest chunk out of the front that we, we didn't even know how to address. But, uh, man, it looked like something. I mean, it's it's one of those things like you don't know how to process it because like it's an Aston Martin. Yeah. Matte orange. I got the the V8 Vantage in that. uh, looks probably awesome. Yeah, right? I got the V8 Vantage in that matte nuclear waste green thing they were doing, too, which is, like, extremely jarring. (laughs) Really (laughs) tough to look at that color. Yeah. Um, uh, Cody asked if we think McLaren will survive. Survive what? Depends on how familiar most of their buyers are with Lemon Law. (laughs) <laughs> right. I mean, they're they're kind of struggling. Like, I think their sales are down a little bit, and the market's hurting them a lot. Um, what did I just see about them? Uh, I mean, they've they have built too many cars. I think. I mean, but they're. I really like driving them. I hope they survive. Yeah. I really want to continue driving. That's the thing is they didn't exercise enough restraint in the release of the cars, and I. I hate that because like we were a McLaren dealer at Motor Cars of Georgia, now Motor Cars of Atlanta, and I, I sold a ton of them. And there's nothing, like if you Pepsi challenge uh, F8 or 488 and a Huracan Evo and a 720, like you're gonna buy the 720 because it is so much more exciting. But if you really thought about putting your money into it, it's, it's hard to not buy the Huracan because you know the residual is just so much more secure. Yeah, yeah. Cody said they're they're looking for more money. I think they uh, they well they also have their technology group though. They have like so many different. I mean, I don't know McLaren I, Automotive is a, is a separate part of it, but like they do other things. Brand, which is but they good. just uh, mortgaged or got loans against all their historic cars in their building. Did they really? Oh, shit, mm-hmm. mm, that's not good. <laughs> that's not a good sign. Um, it's not, but uh, I'm sure they had a line of people being like, yeah, you can owe me money for that F1 LM that sits in the <laughs> yeah. lobby all the time. You know, yeah. just feel free to pay. Don't pay. Don't pay. But, you know, the address is different. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to pick it up. I would love to write you a line of credit on that orange LM. What do you want? A couple points? No problem. <laughs> what a darn car. What is the money no object car, Matt? That. It's that. that. Yeah, it's you know, I, I went out when I was younger. Let's see, how old would I have been? I think I was 20, 21 or 22, and I, I had just graduated from college, and I went out with Ralph in his LM. 
Uh, I he you know he drove and I had a I had a passenger seat go. That's that was some exciting shit. I mean that was really. You put on the air traffic controller headphones, you know, and you hear these the open pipes, but also the gear whine because it's got straight cut gears, um, and it it's that that was really something very very exciting and uh, and and different. Yeah, that's the shit right there. Yeah. For those who don't How know, what I'm talking about. How long do you think about. we have until they uh, are worth more than GTOs? Not long, not long. I, I mean, I I. How could they not be? When was the you know how they're they're rarer than GTOs? That's the problem. Is GTOs are commoditized? Yeah, I mean they're faster, and I think our generation is more into this. Like that, I think all of those oh. shifts will happen. Yeah, I, I think when I think when we lose a couple of the older generation, you know, when was the last time an LM changed hands, dude? One sold, I think one sold for thirty. Yeah. I mean, if that and that's the if that's the last one, the next one's going for fifty. And what's the GTO? Right, forty. Forty eight was the public auction record. But what's his name? Um, McNeil bought one privately for seventy five. The silver one. It wasn't the silver? Was the silver one the only one that's silver, never yeah. been painted? I, I didn't know it was that. I thought it was sixties. But shoot, that's isn't that wasn't that the only one that was never painted? Oh, interesting. I, I think, didn't know that. Was I the think the silver I mean, one was the last. Car's worth more, but. I mean, unless, you know, there's always been this theory that you, that there, there wasn't necessarily enough market capacity to absorb that many interesting cars. So unless something crazy like the Sultan of Brunei's collection gets auctioned off by RM one day, yeah, like there's not enough people, like you couldn't sell 10 McLaren F1s this week, right? but you can sell one periodically once or twice a year for at the moment a road car is maybe i don't know between 12 to 15 five for a terrible car up to 20 for the most amazing one and shoot i mean how about that yeah that they were they are um, amazing they're fucking crazy that that's yeah. my money no object car uh, before we get out of here i want did you grow up in atlanta i did yeah how old are you exactly uh 34 okay he's a little younger than me do you remember Let's go back to the '90s, because I I was uh, I spent my my younger years in Atlanta in Buckhead, hmm. and uh, do you remember Formula One Imports? Mm-hmm. You remember that business? Whatever happened to them? Because that was where my that was where I made my mother take me every Saturday to sit in all the gray market Italian cars when I was like six through nine years old. So they faded away as FAF Ferrari, which was purchased by the guys that had Ferrari of Atlanta, and then Paul Spruill's Lamborghini dealership, which was purchased in 2003. So as those two kind of became the places to go, and I think Formula One Imports, and I could be totally wrong about this, got wrapped up in the Gold Club stuff, which got all the Knicks arrested. Oh, I don't know this story, but something tells me I should. (laughs) Is that a strip club a story? Strip club bust where there was non or extracurricular activities related oh. to such a emporium. Oh yeah, as you do. Right. Well, that's as just as an Atlanta person, I haven't asked an Atlanta person what happened to that place because that was the place when I was a kid, man. It was like all the gray before Lambo and Ferrari like had dealers here. It was just this gray market store that had brand new Italian shit. First Diablo in Atlanta, I was sitting in and stuff like that. It was cool. Yeah, that's the thing is like cars, seeing an exotic car back then 
was such a different experience because you didn't see them all the time. There was, we, we actually made a video about how many million dollar cars there are on earth today versus like 10 years ago. Uh-huh. And it's in, I think, I think our, we, you know, based on the statistics we looked at, we thought it was probably, it went from about 10,000 to over a hundred thousand. A hundred thousand million dollar cars. Wow. Wow. And wait, are you, are we talking about cars produced new or are we talking about collectible cars that have appreciated into that level? Both. So certainly the, I mean, there weren't million dollar cars produced 10 years ago. Like there, there There was a Veyron and that was it. Yeah. Until a Veyron, there was no million dollar car sold. And so, but now between cars produced and cars that have appreciated, it's it's incredible the number that exist. Wow, that's so many. The number of hundred thousand dollar cars sold every year is now I think over two hundred and fifty thousand worldwide. <clears throat> wow, which is nuts. That's a lot. That's a, that, I, I never about thought it, about that. In two thousand one, when the nine nine six turbo went over a hundred grand yeah most 993 turbos were like right around or a little less uh-huh. like i don't know that there had ever been a hundred thousand hundred thousand dollar cars sold like ever in the history of the world that's so interesting wow all right yeah. we can end right there there's some expensive ass cars in the world uh right. go see a lot more of ed at vin wiki uh you pull that up zach there it is vin wiki and download his app right and subscribe whoever's Subs- browsers looking at me i don't the, yo our subscriptions i don't watch videos on the internet sorry i should subscribe for fucking posterity for the visual but it's nothing personal hey, there we go it's nothing personal uh, <laughs> i follow you on instagram so there's that Oh, thanks. Um, yeah. You can see all the snake pictures. Yes, exactly. Ed Bolian on Instagram. You can see lots of pictures of a flooded out fucking her- uh, Gallardo spider. Uh, right. Thanks, dude. Great show. Oh, thanks for having me. This was a blast. What else do you want to promote before we get out of here? Anything? Oh, nothing. We, uh, yeah, check out Car Trek on Freddy's Tavares channel, and uh, we'll do another one uh, shoot in August to be in September. Cool, and hopefully you'll be able to come back to the to the west side pretty soon, um, and we'll see you. Well, I was talking the- to Ferretti. We should talk about this. Uh, we need to put together a rally, nothing like fancy, but just point-to-point stops after everybody can travel again, get as many of our big YouTuber friends together and just do a you know tour of 10, 15 spots where we can all just stop and have a gathering and say hey to everybody who's continued to watch us through this. That sounds like the kind of thing I'd buy an 07 Phantom for. He said that you guys had talked about we all had to buy our first car. Oh yeah, yeah, that was that. Okay, yeah, he did. He didn't tell me what it was for, but he did tell me to set up alerts on Craigslist for my first car for something. So that's what I it think is. We okay. should just take cars that we're known to have, like bring the Vanquish to the Countach, whatever. Yeah. Like, you know, it, well, it, it won't be a long route, but just a. I was thinking a, a loop. I don't know that we want to go cross country because we don't need these thousand mile days like rallies require, but. Uh, you know, maybe we just do a loop where we go a couple hundred miles, stop, go a couple hundred miles, stop, and just let everybody come hang out and talk like we do it like this. I have an idea. How about we put the cars on a transporter and then we get a fucking tour bus and we drink our way. We drink our way around the country. That's sad. Then we'll unload the cars and be like, guys, we're here. That's it. We just got here. Oh, I'm so sweaty. Don't call the miles. Thanks, Ed. Good talking to you, dude. 
I appreciate it. Have a great night. Thanks for having me. Take care. We are back next week. We've got, oh, we got good shows next week, don't we? Who do we have next week? Kamisa. We got Jason Kamisa and Rutledge. Rutledge Wood. Yeah. Good shows next week live. Well, I'll post the schedule over the weekend, but uh, that's us for recordings this week. The Smoking Tire Podcast is powered by Shout Engine. Get your own podcast at shoutengine.com. It's easy. All you need is a microphone, a connection to the internet, and ideally, something to say. We'll see you later. Bye.